Hello and welcome to another edition of the Book of Very, Very Bad Things podcast. I'm your host, Peter, and I am still here. And tonight, it is my pleasure to bring to you Chip, Wendell, and Michael of Shadyside. Shadyside have not had recorded material out in the universe in, what, 18 years. And now, finally, via Mind Over Matter Records and Austin, they give us Higher Plans. The single, When the Fear Hits, as well as the music video, have been out in the world for quite a while now. This EP has been just sitting around waiting to be released. Uh, I first heard it, I think, over a year ago at this point, and it's been around a lot longer. Just looking for the right home, the right fit. And no better place than Mind Over Matter Records, home to so many of my friends, so many great musicians. Where better, really, to release an EP of this magnitude? Now, there was a version of the vinyl that had bubbles cut away on the outside of the vinyl itself. Uh, Those have since been sold out. Now, there is still a version with those bubbles on the outside screen printed. And I do suggest you go out and get yourself a copy of that immediately because they will sell out. At the top of the show, we briefly, and I do mean briefly, touch upon the continuing genocide that is occurring in Palestine. No matter where you land on this topic, there is no good reason for a genocide, folks. None. After that, we get into the history of the band, the history of this EP, where it all comes from, why I like to use the bathroom by myself. We touch upon so much in a scant less than two hour episode, which is nice and neat and tidy for you all. And I think you're really going to appreciate it. I know there's so many Michael Malarkey fans out there right now. They can't, they just can't wait to eat this up. So as usual, like rate, subscribe, uh, you know, comment. It every, any little bit helps. Uh, anyway, without further ado, I give to you Shady Side, Higher Plans, on the book of Very, Very Bad Things Podcast. This episode of the Book of Very, Very Bad Things podcast has been brought to you by our sponsors at Sweet Cheetah Publicity. Sweet Cheetah is a PR collective that values people over profit. They put a different spin on public relations by working primarily with friends and using all profits to aid charitable organizations. With a roster that includes Jawbox, The New Amsterdam's, Brainiac, Get Some, Funeral Date, Damien Dunn, and many more artists, record labels, and podcasts. Sweet Cheetah! That's a great PR cohort. 
You can find them on social media by simply searching Sweet Cheetah PR, and they'll be there. He's been Tim. I've been Peter. And Sweet Cheetah has been beautiful. How y'all going? Good, man. We just uh, we just practiced a little bit earlier, and you know now we're doing this. Right on. How about you, Mike? How you doing? Yeah, all right, all right. Yeah. So now not that fully, I- not fully here right now. It's been a kind of crazy few days, and yeah, just uh, woo, just intense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah. Deepen your passions, stressing you out and shit. What's that? To deepen your passions and stressing you out and shit. Well, just the whole situation over there, man. You know, right. like yeah. the injustice of it all, and you know, I don't want to talk about it. It's uh, just need to uh, not think about it right now. Yeah. It's well, been like three days of nonstop, all-encompassing shit and you know i know a lot of people on the ground out there and getting first-hand accounts and all that and it's just like so intense and we can't even begin to fathom what that's like you know right right and also, just can't talk about it right now without pissing somebody off so. that and that's the part that uh it's kind of been distressing for me because you know i'm i have a little bit uh, ashkazani jew in in me and yet still, I'm very pro-free Palestine, and I catch a lot of flack for that, yep. uh, which I find completely moronic because it, it, it's nothing to do with, with faith, man. It's about sovereignty. Yeah. Strictly. It's strictly about sovereignty. And once people kind of catch that lead, I think they'll start to understand that, you know, that, that this is violence for the sake of capitalism and nothing more. And, and it's about international law and human rights. <laughs> and when that's being abused, no matter who's doing it, need to be held. They need to be held accountable. Yeah, um, anyway, let's let's move on because I'll go down that rabbit hole again. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> I promised I'd take a break. I yeah. promised I'd take a break. <laughs> let's well, talk about cruise routes. All right. All those days we used to roll around Yellow Springs, this is a fucking new order and getting real baked. That sounds Every good. Every time I see you fall, I get down on my knees and pray. Yeah, bro. Just loosen it up a little bit. Good times, I mean, man. It's like, you know, it's hard to be clear headed and like say the things you mean when you're like constantly kind of constipated with the whole ideas of it, you know, because it fucks you up. So let's shake it out a little bit right now. Yep. So with you guys together, like you all kind of grew up together, basically. We grew up 10 miles apart and then met up as, um, you know, early twenties. I think Mike was still what, 19? Late teens, early twenties. Yeah. Somewhere in there. Yeah. So we, uh, me and me and Wendell have been dudes since we met when we were like 13, 14, and then became real tight in high school, like 15, 16. And we started playing together, you know, right away, basically. I mean, it was like he, he's a year ahead of me in school. So my freshman year, like we just kind of got up and we we're like, yeah, we're doing this now. Cause it's like we already knew 
that we were like you know the ones that wanted to play in a band and wanted to like write songs and you know be a punk rock band right and i was a terrible guitarist but i had the will <laughs> I had the will <laughs> that's that, that's the story though like just the, the the beginnings of a punk rock band it's never like a, a bunch of guys who are like juilliard level shredders it's it's about ideas and and passion so i, I i'm just trying to like imagine you guys as as these young people you know yeah. coming together like what was that first that that initial kind of uh push the first record that that made you all want to you know bond over this project was there something oh. that was really like bubbling up at the time that was sort of pushing you all in that direction? Oh man, I will say right off the bat, fucking Green Day. <laughs> yep. I mean, 100%. like uh, definitely the whole grunge, like Seattle sound for me and like junior high, but then um, getting into Green Day, obviously like Dookie was the entry point for all of us because of MTV and stuff like that. But then getting into their old stuff, you know, like we, we, we got Dookie and we loved it, but then we were always at the CD store, you know, whatever it was fucking Best Buy a lot of times back in those days or before that. But, um, we got Kerplunk and we got, uh, 39 smooth or, you know, Slappy Hours, whatever, the yeah. compilation there. The first two records, and, like, that was, like, major, dude. I remember I, on my 14th birthday, I got both of those, and people were like, oh, you got them both? You son of a bitch, that's awesome. <laughs> so we all hung out and fucking listened to the old Green Day, and we are like, oh, this is really good. And I think that just kind of opened up the, uh, you know, it's kind of like tripping the first time, and your mind expands. <laughs> but it was our musical entry point there, and... It was, you know, anything from, like, super pop punk to, like, MXPX Christian punk mm -hmm. into more of the Tooth and Nails. I mean, really, if it weren't for some of that, those compilations, the Fat Records comps, uh, random comps that you would find in record stores or at Hot Topic, those, the comps were for me. Uh, that expanded me so much for just a uh, different exposure. And I remember I found um, the dismemberment plan on one of them, and that was... An amazing, amazing tune called Manipulate Me. And I was like, this is kind of what I want to go explore and find. And then that opened more doors. And you know how it is when you're exploring music as a, as a teen, man. It is a, it's an amazing thing. It's, a, it's just a world of excitement. <laughs> I wait for that next thing that really connects with you. I, I find that a lot of my attachments to the bands that I had been listening to uh, at that age, I have such a visceral emotional attachment to that sometimes I feel like I'm missing out almost with new music, as voracious of a consumer as I am of new music. There's something about those connections that you form, like the neural pathways initially being carved into your brain. Uh, it elicits such such an emotional response that it becomes your identity as a young person. Is that kind of, you know, what your experiences were like as well? 100%. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, there's still, it's like I said, I had to highlight those, those first couple of Green Day records because <clears throat> those songs will come on and like, I still know all the words. You know what I mean? Like we have a, we have a good friend who plays in like a, locally in like a Green Day tribute band. And they'll do a show, usually like once, twice a year. And 
I'll go and see them, and it's just, it's like it for me. Like, I'm the dude up there singing every word. Because they do all, basically, up till, whatever, 95, Green Day. Like, they could just go up to Insomniac, and that's about it. (laughs) (laughs) But, But, like, I'm the dude up there singing every single word to every song. You know, like, that's my shit. For me, like, by the time the Promise Ring hit, like, those things, like, were settling in for me. So it's like, you know, uh, I'm an old man, man. I don't look for new music. Sometimes it hits me. It's cool. Uh, I'm down, but it's just I don't have, I've got other things going on. And it's like fall has started. So it's like every year, like the playlist hits. It's like sunny day and, you know, braids, frame and canvas. It's things, you know, from fall of my 17th year of life, basically. And uh, they fall in every year. So mm-hmm. I uh, I definitely understand. I'm guilty of that. Yeah, but you know, like the, there's that time machine aspect of it. It's like you, you put them on, you're right back there. And, and I, I feel like, you know, to create music that elicits that sort of response is, is not only a, a special thing, but it's almost, a, it's almost like you have a, a, how do I, a, like a responsibility to these younger people who are forming these same attachments um you know do you ever feel like the pressure of that when you're like especially with the coming back after all this time with a a brand new record was that something that was in mind or is this more straight up just like a complete labor of you know love and reinvention for you i think it's just the natural progression it's just kind of uh well i mean i've written a lot of songs over the years so i'm thankful that a lot of them appear on the cp because it just seems like um that you know it's that's my grown-up sound i guess you know um i don't don't write as heavy or as crazy but still like it intense and 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 sound uh emotive make it move people in a certain way so I think that's really we're just <clears throat> showing up and, and doing our thing. So, how about lyrically for you? How does how is this differently, Michael, between you know shady side of your and today for you? Yeah. Um, well, you know, back when we talked about it was actually this this. Let, let me just set the backdrop real quick. So, back in Wrecking Ball Festival here in atlanta oh um years back can't remember what year it was it been like 2017 probably right something like that um you know i went there with uh a buddy chris n from dayton as well as tim and earl came down there was a little dayton posse we met up we did the fest together and going to a fest like of you know emo punk hardcore music which i hadn't done in ages um kind of gave me that itch again and watching it in that context and tim just kept like saying when shady side getting back together you know <laughs> and i was like ah man come on like, and um but you know through the course of that weekend and spending time with cats from dayton again and thinking about that and getting that sound in my bones again um it just kind of gave me a little bit of an itch like well what if we did try to do a few songs and i can't remember how it all came about but i think i remember saying hey if you guys ever want to throw me some instrumentals um i'd love to just 
remotely put some vocals on it at some point and it got just just kept getting pushed back um and this is how i work i'm like i i put everything off until it's like something i have to do you know some engine kicks off in my gut and i'm like okay i'm gonna work i'm gonna write the next pretty side record in a week uh, you know and then i'll just burst through it and then i'm completely shattered afterwards and go collapse um anyway yeah i wanted to approach this differently you know because the shady set of old and i think we might have t touched on this stuff and maybe when we talked before but mm -hmm. you know i was very into uh psychedelics and uh the beat generation <laughs> and playing with words and uh you know i had a lot of fun with uh with words you know it was all very much the old shady side screaming and then here's the singing part try to sing as high pitched as i can get all up in that range for the feels and screams all the burl and uh it just didn't sit suit that kind of thing didn't suit where my voice was at now and how i was feeling about making music and i just wanted to approach it with a more direct uh feeling and delivery you know so it's kind of in between singing and screaming i suppose you know it's more shouting i mean there's more of like a hot water music and playing music for stars kind of punky influence i suppose and um you know, it's just more genuine with how I was I'm feeling now or how I was feeling at the time. I mean, it's shifted even since then. You know, I've been working on some new stuff with these guys as well. And, you know, pushing the boat out a little bit more, getting a little weirder again, kind of tying in a little bit of the old stuff with the new stuff. So, you know, we're still making some new stuff too. And um, uh, it's kind of exciting the way it's going. So, but anyway, I, I completely rambled there. <laughs> Hell yeah. So, uh, like, going back to, like, the whole youth of it all, um, I'd like to touch on how you guys actually formed, how the Voltron of it all came together for you all. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. these guys were all playing before as a yeah. band. So, you know, you can tell that story, and then we, we can catch up once, once you get to me. Right. <laughs> uh, well, that's, like, I was kind of hitting that before, um, when I already knew Wendell from like junior high and then he was like I said a year ahead of me so my freshman year at Fairborn High School you know I was 15 Wendell was a sophomore we already knew each other we already knew we wanted to play music so it was like almost instantly we got a thing going and we started playing um and at that point um Vinny who's our bass player now he was originally well he was originally a guitar player me and him both started out as guitar players when we were about 13 but he started playing drums and he was more of the drummer <clears throat> and then <clears throat> excuse me uh, my freshman year Adrian who now plays keys for us I knew him sort of through Wendell and some of these other like older friends of mine and I knew he was a guitar player and we just happened to be in the same gym class. So like the first week of freshman year we met in gym class and we were both like, hey, you're that guy. Wait, you're that guy. Yeah. 
and then we kind of hit it off and Wendell was in the mix and it was like me and Vinny and our old friend Rob who we recruited to play bass um and then Adrian and and Wendell and it just kind of came together as a group and we started playing together when we were you know when like I said when I was a freshman 15 and then on from there 15 16 we started playing and we started playing shows and at that time the band was called miscellaneous and um we continued that on through i think like my first couple years of high school and then uh vinny quit the band to play in this other hardcore band and so it was just me and Wendell and Rob and Adrian, and we forced Adrian to play drums because he and he was on guitar at this point. But we knew that he could play drums like really well. He's one of these people that can just play anything, and we knew that he could play drums. So we kind of forced him into it, <laughs> and that was the birth of Shady Side because it was like. Miscellaneous was the band. Our first band had died. Vinny quit, and then we forced Adrian into playing drums, and then it became Shady Side. And that was uh, actually, I think, my senior year of high school. We recorded like our first demo, and that was the first demo, honestly, that made it into the hands of Michael. It we released it on cassette at first, and then we ended up putting it on CD and selling it at shows and stuff like that. And so we were playing out by that point. And it's so good, that record. I mean, <clears throat> just to step in here, cause like, you know, simultaneously, uh, well, I was probably not playing in a band yet when you released that record, but, um, I started going to shows locally when I first started playing in my first band, which is Panami out of Yellow Springs. And Shadyside, I saw them uh, one time at uh, KFC, I believe. Is that was called? No. Nice Columbus. Nice Columbus, maybe. Yeah, on Burkhart. Yeah, that's the one. Yep. Yeah, yeah. We used to go there all the time. I was just making sure the name was what it was. And uh, yeah, I remember seeing them and having that record and just thinking it was <laughs> the best local band I'd seen, you know. Um, and you know it was like i'd learn i tried to learn some of the words and stuff i just thought they were awesome <laughs> and uh you know i saw them a couple more times and they had this singer who was called anthony who used to be their singer um after that wet record was released because that record was done with just you two on vocals yeah but yeah anthony originally band and they started doing different stuff too um yeah it's very complicated <laughs> anyway, I, I see them this one show, and Anthony is not singing for the band anymore. And I'm like, huh. And they were just operating as a four piece, you know, Chip and Wendell doing double duties. Said duty. And um, then, yeah, I think I saw him one more show, and it was the same setup. And I was like, oh shit, they, they lost their singer. I don't know what happened, but I was like, because I was just starting out in this band, we'd been playing for a while. We were all kind of amateurs, and um, anyway, I approached Chip after the show, and I was like, hey, man, um, you guys looking for a singer? You know, like, I'd love to try out, um, 
And uh, I don't remember what, what the sequence of, of events was, but had you seen Panavia play yet before? Or so, did I invite you to come see us to see what I could what I could do? <laughs> well, no. So, so the way I remember it basically is, uh, I feel like you might have talked to Vinny, and um, I just happened to come to a show at Jags. The, there's yeah. this club called Jags that like is not is right down the street from where I live now, like right where we're sitting. And, um, like, uh, it's not there anymore. It's like a restaurant now. But anyway, um, I came to a show and I saw you play with Panamia and I was like, this fucking guy, I was like, wow, he, he's got it. You know, like you were going nuts. Like you were jumping around. I mean, there was maybe 10 or 15 people there. So, you know, it wasn't like a huge deal, but you were like, it's a huge off. deal, bro. Huge yeah, well, no, it's a huge deal, but you were going off and just, like, I mean, the perform performance-wise, it was just through the roof. I I was floored, and I was like, wow, yeah, this, this dude. Okay. It's weird, man, like, memory. <laughs> yeah, no, but... Um, but but then, I do remember it was at Jags when I was talking to you, so maybe I had talked to Vinny beforehand or something at a, at a different show, and then that's how that yeah. came about. I must well, have... but it's it's interesting to note because I, I just wanted to say, uh, since you brought up his name earlier, our friend Chris N, uh, that Malarkey went to Wrecking Ball with, like he was my first choice as far as like we were trying to find a singer, and I, we had Chris come to a rehearsal, and everything went great, and I was like. Yeah, my dude Chris, yes, you know, but then he basically like a week later he's like, "Man, it's I had so much fun playing with you guys, but I can't commit. I just can't do it right now." So, and we were just like, "Ah, oh, shit, you know, back to the drawing board." And then I think it was Vinny who was the one that was like, "Oh, dude, you know, um old dude Malarkey from Yellow Springs from Panamia, you know, I I think he should try out. Like I'm I've been talking to him and I, I'm gonna set this up, and then you came to uh, to try out at that practice space we had at the time, and yeah. like, and then no it was that was that was it. The office. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The old yeah. Robert. I, I definitely felt like it. It took some convincing, you know, the first first time or two. Uh, yeah, not for sure. Yeah, and you know, I was also finding my feet as a vocalist. I mean, there's old footage of us as a band, and I'm mortified, like, now, watching some of it, where I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so pitchy. What am I doing, you know? Because I'm just going fucking nuts. You're putting on a show, my man. Yeah. No, I, I was, but, you know, it needed to be a little more contained and precise, you know? But, you know, it's, no, always, hey, well, it's no. always slightly embarrassing when you look at old shit, you know? Well, I mean, even that though, like you know, that first that first tryout, I remember I wasn't sold on you. I'm gonna be honest, and I know I've told you that before. Yeah, you like, have. Yeah, you mentioned it every Christmas. <laughs> no, whatever. That, that first time he's that, that first that first uh, tryout though, like I was like ah, because I was still stuck on Chris, and and you you tried out, and it, and it went decent. Like it was good, but like 
I think you could tell you were a little nervous and stuff. But then, yeah. then afterwards, I think you took off, and Vinny was like, "This is the dude," and I was like, "Yeah, I, I think you're right, but it's it's still feeling a little weird." And he's like, "No, nah, man, you just got to give him another chance. This is the dude." And then we did it again, and it was like fucking great. So I do remember that. Yeah, Vinny yeah. was flying, flying my flag. Vinny, Vinny was the champ. He was your champion <laughs> from day one. Well, there was always sexual chemistry between us so <laughs> always gotta ramp that up when you need to hey sometimes uh, it's just, you gotta use your mail uh but yeah i have, I have such need. fucking great memories of like especially during the winter for some reason it's always the winter rocking up to that practice space is cold yep. and like crunching through the snow you know it's cold in there too yep rocking out and learning songs you know, because yeah. at the beginning, obviously, I had to learn learn their stuff, right, before we started writing. I mean, we did start writing very soon. Yeah. And Wendell and I developed this kind of routine. You know, I was working at a record store called Dingleberries, believe it or not, <laughs> in Yellow Springs, Ohio. <laughs> and, That's true. Uh, That's true. Rest in peace. Chris N. was working at the other Dingleberries in Centerville, Centerville actually. Um, but... Yeah, I, I used to, you know, shut up shop. I'd tell Wendell to meet me down there at close. We'd, you know, flip the sign over, flip out the lights, except the ones in the back, and sit between the aisles where all the records were, with just cross-legged with a, with a guitar and a tape recorder, and just write, you know. And so we, we, we definitely wrote some of, the, some of the harmonies and lyrics and stuff sitting there in a closed record store after hours. Like, it was, it was a cool, cool time. There was whiskey involved too, so that helped. Very whiskey. I got, I got to, yeah. I got to experience. I was there like I think one of the one or two of the times, and yeah, it was it was cool. Yeah, fun. Hell yeah. yeah, for sure. So there's like an element of of, of you know returning to your first love almost uh, with this record, in a way. It seems to me anyway, because like it, there's all these intense sense memories tied to your own experiences uh with the creation of your music back then uh what the, did that awaken uh those emotions for you guys uh when it comes to this coming into a, a, a new endeavor well i think partially just from my perspective you know there's some of the lyric content sorry i'm very phlegmy today sorry um <laughs> i ate some cheese don't normally eat cheese um Anyway, though, I feel like lyrically, it's more direct. It's more kind of like about, not about us, but like, I didn't want it to be just about me. And by nature, playing, uh, writing and, and singing with a backdrop of their music did kind of bring stuff back in a certain way. And so, you know, there's a couple songs there that definitely references time's gone by you know there's one of the tracks called when in the wars which which isn't exactly about that but in a certain light it's definitely about memories and um uh practicing and hanging out together and stuff like that so there's there's definitely moments of that
um, you know, we had a lot of good memories together and uh, had a lot of fun, did a lot of mischief. And sure. I mean, we still, uh, we held it together, man. And uh, playing together, I think, always brings me back to that. I've said it before, I'll say it again. I'm always more confident when I'm with all of you dudes at the same time. It's just like, that's uh, one of my places in life, you know, where it's like, ah, kind of. Well, I think, and everyone can relate to this, that time in your life when you're kind of just on the cusp of like adulthood, you know, when you're, you're it's your first experience of adulthood. And it's right. like your first time paying rent and, and bills, and they're all very small, and it's all very easy to manage and um, <laughs> do it together. Whereas now it's just fucking insane, man. <laughs> but like, oh, it was, it was just such a carefree existence at that time, and it was all about the community, uh, the, the local scene, the family, and and the vibes. And you know, we, I think, took pride in. Um, hosting parties and you know after parties and really wanting to create a sense of community um and um i think we really held a lot of that together through a lot of our consistency with playing live and um, bringing people out to shows and it was a really magical time it really was it really was what was the scene like uh in in your area back then i remember getting through there a couple times at that in in and around that time period going to legion of doom and stuff because i have a lot of friends that live there Oh, yeah. um, oh uh, awesome yeah but th there's there's something different about about your scene specifically uh there was a it seemed to me anyway that there was a lot less uh politically politically charged things insofar as you know there's nazis over there and you know we've got the vegans in the fist fights with this straight edge crew and this and like we had a ton of that mm -hmm. in pennsylvania back then of, there was a bit of that but yeah, it was some of that. I mean, I think that's funny that you mentioned Legion of Doom, though, because I'd say there's some of that, and a lot of that was directly, uh, I think it was directly taken from a lot of the Columbus crew, a lot of the Columbus kids, because certainly that scene was way more politically, like, activated, and the whole, like, more than music fest thing you know that was that was really big at the time it's crazy too because you know i didn't even realize until much later that that shit started in dayton though yeah like that fest started in dayton i was too young so i miss out i mean that was like 93 94 or whatever mm -hmm. but you know i went to more than music fest in 98 i think the first time and that you know i had transitioned to columbus that was no. such a good show. Oh, dude. And I mean, it was such a part of the Columbus scene, but like, yeah, it was very, very politically conscious. And like that fest, you know, always, I mean, that's why they started calling it more than music fest, because when I think it started, it was just called Dayton Fest. And then maybe the second year they started calling it more than music fest. And then it, all those people moved to Columbus or I think, the people that started it or some of them that carried it on ended up going to like osu so it all moved up there but um i would say the kind of scene dayton had back then was was kind of eclectic because we would go to shows at this place called circle billiards and yep. it would be you know a pop punk band a hardcore punk band straight up like you know 90s emo promise ringy kind of feel and then uh, like some straight metal band or a hardcore band. Um, it was just lots of different people trying to trying to vibe, 
I think um, that's 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 what I remember the most is that every every show was such a mixed bag, and that was the fun. It's like, <laughs> what are we gonna get next? And especially when you're a young kid and you don't know any of the bands, you're literally sitting there like waiting for the next magical thing to happen in front of you. So yeah, it, I mean, it was always just exciting. Like I remember shows back in the day. I think with the ebbs and flows of the scene as it is, I think we did a really good job of building our own DIY community and yeah. um, as much as it was frustrating back then and maybe thought like a, a failure of some sort uh, being older and wiser i realized really what we accomplished and it's it's pretty awesome you know with everybody else that we played with too i mean there's a, there's a core group of bands and friends of ours that we all just really we buckled down and that brought more people brought more bands out of dayton and uh we all supported each other and had shows together and it was amazing it was pretty it was uh, it's different you know so i don't know i wouldn't want to say it's like very hippie but it almost felt like we, we just all had each other's backs and we were doing each other you know something to grow at every every month so. i don't remember any like rivalries uh you know any i mean there were definitely some more scene street types snooty kind of had to win their praise type <laughs> shit but then yeah you know then you're like well fuck off then i don't care uh but <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember any like band rivalries or anything like that. One of my favorite compliments ever was Justin, our buddy, was like, "I love you guys. You're not seen, man. You just want to hang out and fucking be nice and hang out." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's us, dude. But, I mean, I, we got along with everybody, so that was kind of the vibe. We, we just like to be there, and we were thankful to be there. <laughs> I will say, I will say though, the. Uh, like back to the that original like comment like you know uh the first show i think wendell and i the first big local show that wendell and i both went to was a food not bombs benefit show right and like that was huge like that and again like i said that i think a lot of that came from um coming out of the 90s and um the early 90s and you know the that punk scene and being a little bit more politically aware and like some of that columbus like influence some of those people but like the first show was a food not bombs benefit and like it was like a fest it was like seven eight nine bands all day long first time we went to this venue that he was talking about called uh circle billiards it was like they called it the circle underground for a minute and the proving grounds for a minute and it was like the basement of a pool hall basically and uh one way in one way out yeah yeah, yeah. but i mean uh that first show it was mind-blowing i mean and that spoke to the whole like mixed bill thing like it was like like pop punk bands um that was the first time i ever heard or saw like a quote-unquote emo band i didn't even know what that was until that show i just like punk rock and like hardcore so it means like you had hardcore you had pop punk you had like crusty stuff you had like weird indie rock you had like doom metal i mean it was like all this stuff and it just changed our lives i think because then not long after that we got involved in that scene and started playing shows right well, your scene is where the the first time I got to see Los Crudos was in yeah, your dude. area, and and yeah. Mar seeing Martine 
on stage changed my entire perspective of what it is to be a front man in a hardcore band. Oh, that yeah. guy, that guy is absolutely tremendous. That, mm -hmm. That's amazing. Yeah, it was like I think I saw Crudos. I think it was it was ninety eight or ninety nine. More than music, I got to see him. So maybe it was same. I don't know if you were at that show, but like it was. Uh, I was, but I, I believe I, I want to say it was ninety three or four. Oh, see, see, there you, you got your ears on me. You oh. got that. <laughs> I'm I'm old, bro. That's it. That's all it is. <laughs> Baby face. No, no, but for real, man. Like that ninety eight, uh, more than music. Like saw like, uh, I saw Crudos and Braid and um. Shoot, let's see. Uh, I think it was '99. I saw like Reversal of Man, but um, oh no, his hero's gone. Oh, Fuck, yes. dude. Yes. Yeah, Just like that. Never uh, dude, it was like that was. It was amazing. I don't remember much, but I do remember uh, Raid being awesome. You don't remember much. You don't say. Yeah, no, no, I don't remember much from that day. <laughs> no, Wendell actually, I think Wendell has one of the best memories in the band. He's being true. He comes up with some stuff like an entire conversation we had sometimes. I'm like, when did this happen? <laughs> did you record it? Like, you know, he's he's got a good good memory for shit. Well, I've I've had entire conversations with with Wendell where I I don't remember what we talked about on it. <laughs> we, we were in varying degrees of sobriety during time. Fair but, enough. <laughs> I think I was pretty sober that day. I just had a bad anxiety day, and I think that's where my blackout days come from. You know, I'm like, <laughs> I can't process this to remember it right now. Yeah. But when I do I you know? Um, but no, I mean all the good times when they're like cataloged. It's like 80s song lyrics up in there, bro. I can get them all for you if you need. Oh <laughs> yeah. So what we're um, you guys are just starting out. You know, you're starting to play in, around that area. What was like the first big show you guys played as as a unit? Once once Michael was in the band and it was you know this core group. Uh, I would say because it's not like we didn't have like a. I don't. I don't think we had a lot of like really what I'd say big, big show opportunities. But to me personally, the first big one that I can remember, and I don't even remember where this was, but we got asked to open for 12 tribes. 12 tribes was local, you know, Dayton and hardcore. Oh, yeah. I love and, like, 12 tribes. I love, skate park. yeah, yeah, yeah. Skate, the park? skate park show. There you go. So we like, I looked up to those guys. Like they were it for me, you know, like I love that band. They were my favorite band for a while, and I love those dudes. Love their music. Great and, dudes. Yeah, and they they uh, we got friendly with them, and they asked us to open for them. We opened for them a couple of times, I think, and that was like probably one of the bigger ones that I can remember. Well, also, I mean, the, I think the first one I did with you guys was that the one where we opened for Dysrhythmia. Yeah, there's oh. that too. That I mean, that's good. I mean, that's a pretty killer because that was the first show, right? Wasn't it? No, you, uh, maybe. Know? Yeah, yeah. I the, think that uh, was that was the first show I did with you guys. You you might be right. It was at the Grange Hall, and yeah, yeah. Shit, I'm pretty I sure. Forget. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, just coming out swinging, I suppose. <laughs> you know, I mean, that was a great show. I mean, uh, I, that's you know, a, I got through it. I got through it. <laughs> that's a pretty big opportunity right out of the gate. Yeah. 
but to me it seems like you know with, with how eclectic your scene was uh maybe you didn't play these massive shows but there was certainly a lot of opportunity to make your way out of your local area maybe not so much as playing but uh the reverberations of your music being felt outside of your area that's you made it to pennsylvania i got to hear you guys back then uh there was a the buzz about you guys had been like you you fit in with the the, the screamo bands but you you had melody and i remember that being a pretty big deal in that uh abolition era you know where the, a lot of purism going on uh where if you got too melodic, it was sellout or whatever. Right. But you yeah. guys, you guys kind of did it the right way that people didn't get pissed about it. Um, it's it's really you know that big part of that I think is like that's why we wanted to get a singer like Michael was like we we had uh, a we had another guy that Michael mentioned earlier for a little bit in the band and he was really good as far as being uh, just like a heavy like scream screamer type uh vocalist but like he couldn't really like he tried but he couldn't really sing that well and then so when we got and i think wendell and i had this in mind pretty early on like we wanted somebody that could actually sing because we could like scream our heads off we had already proven we could do that and like we did that a lot <laughs> but we were like we want somebody that can actually sing because neither, neither of us we're really that confident as singers we're like yeah we're like really just okay i mean me especially like i couldn't fucking sing you have an idea of what you want as a singer when you're bringing somebody on you know um or, or like when you're you're getting ready to bring somebody on you have this idea in your head this is mike does this to me consistently uh through the years and i love it he just shows me you know it's, it's like you know you're the brother i never knew i needed you know <laughs> you just show me the 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 what it could be in a different way that is something i couldn't fathom and i that's what i love about it because we there have been some songs that you know we wrote uh without mike and we kind of finished it but we never did anything with it and then he picked up on it and did something completely different and I was like, damn it, I'm not good at this. <laughs> you know, I'm that's why we leave this to Mike. So um it, it's I think it's that sense of surprise and wonder every time I send something off to Mike that uh I get excited about it. So well and also like you know, us us as kind of the songwriters, the three of us really in a way, um main songwriters for the material. Um there's just this kind of synergy that's built in because we kind of grew up together in a way and like these two guys how they play and mesh together is just it works so well it's like fucking hansel and gretel no um bert and ernie uh, <laughs> and uh yeah i just i just love it i love how they play and riff off of each other and the thing is you know i can get tracks through and i'm like i kind of can hear what they're trying to do and where they're trying to go for the most part so it's easy to kind of lock right in and um you know, we've just found a system that, that works again for the new stuff, which um, was was cool. And I didn't know if we'd be able to find that, if I'm perfectly honest. You know, it was this thing of, like, it would be cool to do some Shady Side songs, but, you know, I don't want to continue doing the same shit I was doing before. How do I kind of rework that? And, um, yeah, it's, and we, we've ended up finding something pretty cool. 
and I'm excited for, for people to hear. Um, yeah. First, I was, I was gonna say, I always speak to like that, what you said, like in your question about the whole like uh, original, like screamo sound, like the ebullition sound, like we definitely unconsciously really kind of had that, I think with our early stuff and it was all just screaming because, and I think I pulled Wendell into it a little reluctantly at first, but like, I was just like, no nah, man, it's just gotta be heavy. We just gotta fucking scream like everything, you know? And it was like, we tried to sing, but it was pretty bad. But then at some point, you know, you're transitioning from the late nineties into the early two thousands. And we really started getting into bands. Like, obviously we were like really big, like Deftones fans. Oh yeah. But then, and then to that point, like I saw, uh, the first time I ever heard or saw Glassjaw was opening for Deftones. And so we really got into that sound. And yeah. so like, I, like I was saying, we really wanted someone that could like actually sing and emote and like, you know, actually could, you know, bring the mood, bring, and bring the, the, the melody. And it was like, we wanted to have that be a part of our sound. And I think that like really kind of became the thing. It's like, we wanted the heavy gnarly shit, but we also wanted that really like awesome melodic singing as well. We wanted the hooks in there. Yeah. And, and minus all of the woman hating that came with the lyrics from both bands as much as right. I love them. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Ooh. Wait, what? Glash <laughs> especially as much oh, as... Oh, right, 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 right. God, that first, that first brutal length. Whew. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, he's angry. That's, that's a break. I mean, break. you know what? Yep. You know what, though? That, that spoke to me as a 19-year-old. It spoke to me, too, when it came out. <laughs> There's absolutely no getting around it. I'm just, uh, Michael, your approach was never quite, like, uh, that direct in it, in, in the, the vitriol. You know, the, it, 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 as you said, you were into the beat poets, and, you, and you, you were alluding to things, but you weren't quite nailing it on the head in, in such a barbaric manner. There was, there was an art to it, which I think captivated a lot of people, uh, especially when they're, considering the lyrics you know and actually i guess you know it's funny because you just you never think about it you're just doing what is coming naturally to you and you know looking back it was a very peculiar way of writing and performing i mean not like not super weird but i was definitely very flamboyant you know and twerking about and like you know oh, yeah i mean i used to do some weird shit i mean it must have been quite bizarre for some people to witness you know i thought you reminded me a lot of like a hardcore version of brian ferry from roxy music like <laughs> there the, the, no that's a that's a compliment i know i know and and like the way you would emote and and kind of you know, become spastic in a way. It, it was fun. It was fun to watch, and it, and it felt it didn't feel like you were putting on airs necessarily. It like it didn't seem rehearsed. Yeah, it definitely was not rehearsed. <laughs> oh no, I couldn't <laughs> no, that that was one of the great things about some of those uh, shows when Michael started coming into his own. He got a little more comfortable, and like we oh, got bro. well, maybe <laughs> I don't know, but I mean, we got we got more uh tight as a band and you got more comfortable and more into your role as like the 
the front man, like, you got weird with stuff. And you, <laughs> you like, you know, wore weird stuff and you were just running around like a madman and, like, using as much of the stage as you could. And Props. Often had yeah. some props of some sort, masks and things. I mean, I used to wear a three-piece suit a lot. That kind of the later years became, I think, more of my thing, wasn't it? Like, you can at imagine, least I remember a bunch of shows where I was wearing suits. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine a very long-haired Johnny Depp dressed up as the Joker. Yes, I had long hair at the time. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, I had hair at the time. Uh, I had hair back then too. I remember hair. <laughs> Well, Chip still got some good hair. I did not. That Chip. Share the wealth. Um, no, I, I still got some hair. But, you know, yeah, luck, lucky you. <laughs> but it was, yeah, it was, I mean, I definitely struggled with uh, looking at the audience when I was first starting out as a singer, you know, especially when I was in Panamia and the early days of Shadyside. But the thing is with Shadyside is that those like hall shows, you're on the floor, you're not on a stage. Yeah. So there's, you can kind of get away with having your back to the audience, moving around. People are kind of circling you slightly. It's okay. Once you start playing on stages, you know, if you're back to the audience, it's very apparent that, you know, you don't want to look at us. <laughs> you know? um, but, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I definitely would lean on drinking and stuff sometimes. And there were definitely some shows where I had one too many and was way pitchy. Um, and, what did you for, my friend? You know, I didn't yeah. remember some shows even. You know, it was, uh, it was crazy times at certain points in that band, for sure. Do you remember, Michael, do you remember that Yellow Springs show? Um, we played at the, the, I think it was called Web Coffee House. I know yeah. because there's photo documentation, so I do know there, the show, yeah. There is some pretty amazing <laughs> photos of that. There are but, some great photos from that show. Um, our, uh, our bass player, Vince, he uh, was... Uh, he he took I'm things fine. to an he took things to an extreme that night and like I don't think he remembers that that show at all. <laughs> I, don't I definitely barely, remember the show because I don't was, think you barely played. There was like a low ceiling, right? So it was like just two feet above people's heads or something like that, and it was covered in like fairy lights or something. And the whole yeah. there was just this glow, and you could see yep. kind of heads and slight faces in the audience. You know, and it was packed. That that yeah. Part place was packed but it was a magical a magical show for sure that was that was a fun one it was a fun one but i remember afterwards i was like i was like i'm gonna kill you <laughs> <laughs> i was like well to Vinny, i was like i'm gonna kill you what, what's wrong kill you. what's wrong with you yeah well you know <laughs> i mean we all had we all had those moments back then of course and you know you kind of the more you play and the more you tour and whatever you kind of like Speaking of yeah. that, remember that time we all drink absinthe? No, I'm kidding. No, uh, that's a good one. That's a good story. Um, but yeah, you kind of develop like, okay, what works for me? And, and you know, lately it's just not drinking is working for me, you know, so much better. And, uh, you know, if anything, I'll have a single drink if it's been a day and I've got to do a show or something and you just got some kind of other shit going on. Just, you know, I think that's kind of one of the best things about, uh, you know, being uh, in your 40s and still rocking out is that there is a level of maturity and clarity, you know, from the wisdom divined over the last 20 years. And uh, I can't say that we were ever the wildest band on earth, but we definitely had fun. And 
Um, it's all part of that, uh, that, that, you know, experience growing. Yeah. Well, we always took it seriously. You know, yeah, I yeah. think that's the point. We always did want to go out there and crush it. And sometimes that came simultaneously with, with having a good time, you know, forties. It's like, if I look at a uh, gin and tonic, I'm like, bro, uh, you want to be alive tomorrow. That's so back in those days, how far out of your area did you guys actually get to play? Did you get to branch out, uh, Many states away, or just we were like, uh, I want to say, like, we were we we didn't actually we didn't tour a ton, we were more like we did like weekend warrior stuff. It was kind of like we did like a a little here, a little there, and there was stuff in Michigan, there was stuff like out, yeah, east towards DC that way on that trail, and then we got out to DC. We played up in Michigan a lot. Um, we had good friends in this uh, awesome metalcore band from uh, Michigan called If He Dies, He Dies. They were they were uh, they were great friends of ours. We did a lot of shows with them up there, down here. Um, yeah, we did a lot of like Dayton or uh, uh, Columbus, Dayton, Cincinnati, Louisville shows. Um, yeah, we didn't. I mean, we didn't make it that far out, honestly. Like. So I'd say DC, and then well, we played like up, up outside of Chicago. I think was probably like the furthest we went, and like Nashville, you know. So by the time we were done, we were definitely a hometown band. It seemed like uh, every show we played towards the end was huge, and in its own right, I think that felt good. It was just build something uh, here in Dayton that went really well, and. But still, you know, you know, everywhere we went, we I think we played well and people liked us. Mostly the other bands really liked us. So we were like a band's band and a hometown band. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that said, too, I got to say, like, we really kind of, the band sort of ended right when we were hitting our stride. I mean, like, we were like, we were, we put out the the record that we put out uh later in the past when michael was in the band um it was like within a year of that coming out we broke up i mean it was like we were just starting to hit it like we were getting really tight playing a lot starting to play out of town and we were we were just starting to get all the wheels turning and everything. All right, all right, Jim. Come, come on, come on. You know, you <laughs> laying know. it on thick, bro. <laughs> you know, Jim is just uh, releasing some aggression tonight. Wow, I'm not kidding. kidding. No, no, but it is, you know, it is I mean, true, though. it is true. You know, that's just that's just how it went. Like I think the opportunity knocks, man. Yeah, opportunities were starting to kind of pick up, and but then right when that happened it just so happened that the the band ended you know and none, so. of, and none of us were as sexy as you baby <laughs> oh, <man>. <laughs> <laughs> i just like i like that it makes you uncomfortable because i can see you <laughs> so um but yeah no it is it is true you know we, we we were doing some really fun shows around that time you know jillian's as well that spot down in kentucky right i think uh that was the that was the last show yeah, I know. I remember it was the, the last show. 
before the reunion. Yeah, yeah before all the reunion shows. <laughs> right. It was a hard one, that, you know, because it was... And here's the thing, like, uh, you know, I had a lot of people, a lot of the, the band fans and friends being like, you're awesome and blah, blah, blah. And, like, I didn't think I was. I was like, I've got more to do, more to prove, and... Um, so much further to go with what I can do. And I just felt like it was easy to sit back and just do this. And I didn't want it easy. You know, I felt like I had more to do and um, then had this opportunity, you know, to go to drama school, one of the best in the world. And I was like, all right, that's a sign. And I took off. But, um, you know, that it's, it's, you know, it wasn't with deep regret that that happened because these guys were, you know, we were best friends and we, we still are fucking so close and have a WhatsApp group. We text every day and all that shit. And, you know, it's like break, it's not breaking the band up. It's kind of breaking up a friendship in certain ways and not, yeah, not dude, friends, we, but like it, it was, you know what I mean? Right. We, we, we always we had to see each other every other fucking day. We always had the motto that we were bros before we were banned. Because that's what it was. We all became friends, and then we were bandmates together. So, um, as difficult as that news was, I mean, it was still easy because we recognized the talent in our friend, and you can't hold people back from opportunities, especially when you know they're going to go be rad at it. So it was it was bittersweet, but it, I mean, we're bros to this day. We still talk to you. You pretend to be me. What's that? Opportune to be you. You pretend to be me. Yeah, man. <laughs> opportunity. That's an opportunity. So was, oh. there, was there a level of like, uh, I, I don't know, rekindling of the friendship when you guys started to, you know, play reunion shows and stuff again? I don't think it ever really left, to be honest. It was like, there was a little tension there. Like, I want to say, um, you know, for my own part, like I was pretty crushed when I found out that Michael was like, ah, I'm gonna, you know, I'm quitting the band, I'm gonna go to acting school, blah, blah, blah. But then we saw him in this, uh, do this performance, and I saw him do his thing as an actor, and I was like, oh shit, okay, I get it. Yeah, I think I all totally, the tension was gone before he left. So. Yeah, I totally get it. But then, you know, it's not like he didn't leave for he didn't leave for like another year probably so it's like we broke up but then we we, we, within, still, like, we, we still hung out <laughs> we still hung out and then within like a, a year less than a year we were like doing it, it's kind of silly to, to say it but it's like we broke up but then like in less than a year we were doing like reunion shows because we we're like oh well, we still love doing this you know we still love playing together and we had so much fun hanging out and and then it it was just like oh well yeah and then like i said we knew how talented michael was as an actor and we we're like oh well you you know you got to go do your thing you got to spread your wings and go and then you know it that, that was just it i mean you made us proud boy you made us proud look at you now <laughs> i say that as i rub my white beard <laughs> Gandalf. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. Uh, I, in this whole new experience, like it's been amazing. I don't think there was our relationship was never um, 
proximity related, you know, um, every time Mike came back to town, it, it, everything picked up where it left off. The feelings were all still there. Uh, so we never, never had that to overcome that. I don't think, cause you know, we're all from the same place. We still experience the same things. We still talk about all the hardships and things we're going through in life. You know, it's just that there's a different dynamic with everybody having families. Um, yeah. so being, you know, being grateful for friendships that last this long, uh, while also you know growing in your own life that's just a part of part of it all so i think in some way it's nice to just get back to this and have it as an escape and a release and um uh, you know expression uh, just any way just to kind of take the edge off life and i think for me performing and writing with everybody and having this you know something that comes together is as close to like a church experience that i'll ever have so you know, I'm close to God on stage with these dudes. It feels good. It's different reality. Spiritual. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. That's been part of it. I mean, I think there there is something shared um, when we all come. It's, oh, I, I can't. I, I it's the, it's, it's, you know, a band where the, the sum is greater than its parts. You yeah. know, that's it. Think about like all the pieces of the, the, the triangle in Zelda. I didn't play it, but, uh, <laughs> You know what I'm saying? The we Triforce? All, right, the Triforce. Together, uh, you know, just emanating our thing, doing our shit. And I think that's what feels good about it. It's because, you know, we can say this is ours. And, uh, you know, to have that friends of 30 years, people people don't even have friends for two or three years sometimes. So I'm thankful yeah. for my relationships. And now you're to come back now and to, you know, this endeavor, this record is is easily going to be the most widely released piece of music you have all collectively together embarked upon right that in and of itself has to kind of feel like a win um but you know, yeah yeah especially like the way i had initially come across shady side material was from cassettes from friends of mine from your area <laughs> who sent them along to me you know so uh, cool. it, it, it's amazing but you know, now it's 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 not so difficult for people to find that older material because it is available on streaming services. But this is this is something other. You know, there's going to be a, a vinyl document of it, which is absolutely incredible. It's exciting as hell. Um, yes, uh, yes. The, the opportunity to work with Austin. How, how did that come to pass? Well, it's Michael on that one. God, so, you know, we've been through a journey with this record. And I mean, we actually finished it almost two years ago or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not going to, you know, name names, but we went through two different labels with a couple different issues. <laughs> um, anyway, so, you know things got drawn out you know there's bad communication with one the other one ended up kind of having financial difficulties and having to pull the plug and and um you know found out about it last minute and it was one of these things that just didn't have to go on as long as it did if there was a little more transparency with what was going on um but it did and um you know there was a real desire after that point with all of us like well let's just put it out just put it out ourselves get it out and then you know i'm I'm buddies with Casey at Iodine Records, and he's been a really great ally over over the past few years. And you know, we've connected a lot over various different things. Um, 
And, um, you know, he introed me to Austin, you know, when I was talking to him about what our needs were, what we were after. And, you know, we're not wanting, we weren't wanting some massive label. We just wanted somebody who cared about art and putting out a piece of art that's something we care about and something where the vinyl kind of feels like it's part of that too. And, you know, Austin has a real great sensibility for, for the, I hate to call it a product, but like the product itself, you know, like making it feel unique and, um, DIY, and I'm excited to see what people think of our uh, what we have cooked up for the uh, for the vinyl. Yeah, it was a very big relief to have somebody that was into the the you know the tactile product actually being as close to art as it can be in the old album format. You know, um, yeah, that's kind of what we we're into. You know, we we liked artsy stuff. We uh, we have an appreciation for it, so to be able to. Absolutely. Somebody, somebody in that uh, well, somebody that had great ideas to begin with. You know, that's exciting. Be like, oh, well, it's also like it's thing. not a, it's not a fuck. It's it's kind of a, it's not a dying thing, but it's it's hard to come by because everything's so digital nowadays, and everybody's so obsessed with like, well, you don't even need to put a record. Just put your singles out, get on playlists, and you know, there's not like this big emphasis for like putting together a piece of art, right? Um, it's different in every scene, but. You know that that to me is important you know what's the what's the piece that you're presenting you know how does it all tie together how does it flow what's the what's the packaging around it you know the pictures well, we are the last gasp of album oriented music though i mean if yeah, you i reckon so uh when when we were all young uh, a lot of times you were buying a record predicated upon whose thanks list they were on yep. or what label it was coming out on <laughs> and oh I, yeah i think there's a modicum of 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 that built into being on mind over matter because you know he puts out uh damien moyal's uh solo stuff he reissued that guilt record which is an absolute masterpiece he, he brought it he resurrected it um so many great artists are aligned with mind over matter that he, he there's a part of that alive in that again you know people are going to buy this record not even knowing who you guys are just because it's on mind over matter and just because they like the other artists that are aligned with that label and they're going to buy it due to that yeah. and you're going to catch ears that way and and sure it's not going to happen in the same way as like ending up on some you know fired up playlist but these are the ears you actually want right yeah. yep these are the people that are going to get it and they're going to, uh, you know, get that emotional tie that we were talking about earlier to it. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, th I think this is a, a, a phenomenal opportunity for you guys to to really, you know, get, get heard in a meaningful way again. That's um, cool. I, I, I certainly think so anyway, but who am I? You know? <laughs> Fingers crossed. Really, yeah. We always wanted to just do this to help, uh, you know, to, I don't know, so someone else could feel the way we felt about music, you know, they felt that way about us, and uh, that, uh, that's still, I think, what we're going for, but, you know, to find a little success and just feel good about what you did, it's, that's always nice, too. <laughs> I gotta say, too, I mean, to be, to actually get Shadyside on wax, like, that feels really good. I mean, I this is something I wanted to do for 
years, man. Like we almost did a seven inch back in the day with a small label and uh, you know, things fell through. And it was like, that was the only thing I wanted back then. You know, it was like, first it was like, when we first started, we're like, you gotta have a demo tape. Everybody had a cassette demo tape, right? But then it was like, the next step is like, you had a seven inch, everyone had a seven inch. And it is like, we almost got there. And then, you know, obviously CDs started coming in and it became that much easier. You could burn your own discs and all that. So that became a a lot of that. yeah, oh, a lot of that. But I mean, me, you know, me and Chip, he, we used to come over to each other's houses and we'd oh, run yeah. a list of like a burning list. And I, <laughs> I think I'd like leave you with a stack of CDs. Yeah, get those for me done, bro. Yeah, leave me with the list as well. I still have one of your lists. I found it. I think I texted it to you. But, you know, because I used to be this special order guy at Dingleberries, so. I had, oh yeah, had good access. Michael was like the only dude. Uh, he's he's the first dude I ever met that had a bigger CD collection than me. Like I went into his room the first time we like hung out, and I was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> Look, see, there they are. I just realized they're behind us. That's that's ah. part of, that's that's a little chunk of them. But. Nice. Yeah. yeah, I that's you know the one thing like when you work in a record store it becomes currency <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? like like i i managed a record store for years and 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 sometimes i just wouldn't bring home a paycheck i would just haul records and cds home and be like i felt yep. i felt more wealthy than i would have had i three times the amount in cash yeah uh, and oh, the yeah. joy of, of sharing something new i mean this was this was something that we were all all of us I'm sure I can speak collectively we're into is like the joy of bringing something that you found from some fucking weird little label being like, guys, this sounds like such and such and whatever. And then all of a sudden you've got like a new rabbit hole to go down, you know, but there was always, it was always fun to kind of find a new discovery and bring it to the guys and see what they thought and vice versa, you know, so much new music just back and forth all the time. Like it was because that's half of our WhatsApp chat. Yeah, it's true. Still is. You gotta check out this band. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying about about this record. It's it's not going to live, you know, online. It's going it's gonna live in a record store. Right. Kids are gonna grab this and 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 you know show it to their friends. And be like, dude, look at how cool this is. You know, it's it's not just, you know, the the music component is obviously the most important component, but everything else the tactile experience the you know taking it out and the ritual of putting it on you know the turntable and dropping the needle there's it's it's like church to me just like you yeah. said before wendell about about you know the the spiritual experience of playing on stage which i i fully i fully see and and i reciprocate that but putting a record on a turntable like look at behind me that that's that is right that is my religion you know yeah Hell yeah. And, and and now you finally get to have that. I think that's just amazing. But it I, is it is. I want to left field you guys for a minute, just based on a, a conversation. We've all we are all either married or have been married. Uh both at the same time. Or both at the same time. <laughs> um my my wife and I just had a debate uh that I want I want to field to other married or formerly married people. Uh and it's crazy, but I have this thing where I will not allow 
her into the bathroom with me when I'm using the bathroom. Uh, you know, I, it's it's my thing. She claims she thinks it's a trust thing. Like it's oh, that's it's because you don't trust me. It's like no, I just don't want to shit in front of anybody. Anybody, <laughs> any, I don't care who it is. I don't want to shit in front of them. Yeah. Have you ever experienced this? A and B. Yeah. Do you think that's a trust thing, or do you think it's just like you don't want to be gross in front of someone who you want to be attracted to you for the rest of your life? Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. It's, it's a, yeah, it's all those things. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but Nadine, Nadine, Nadine talks to me through the door, and even that is like kind of slightly an invasion. You know, I'm like, Thank you. I'm, I'm pinching right now. There was a loaf of bread that needs pinched. Um, I'm sorry to disappoint you guys, but I will shit in front of anybody. I, don't care. I can't. No, I know you. Know, and I've shared a hotel with you before, and you've had the door open <laughs> while shitting, man. <laughs> like, oh my god. So, hey, you live with me. You gotta deal with it, bro. I was like, oh. <laughs> I, I, I can't fucking do it i cannot I do it mm, thank you because she swore like if you talk to malarkey you better ask him this and i guarantee he's gonna say no no you echoed my sentiment totally vindicated it's a private time it know, is. I'm, I'm also private like time. you know I'm, I'm also quite a private person like when i'm in in the even when i'm in the bathroom like kind of brushing my teeth or whatever I don't want to have like a whole conversation while I'm doing my bits before bed. You know, it's the same with me. I just like to have that. That's a peaceful downtime moment. Taking it down. Right? It's decompression. <laughs> it's like when, when you first walk in, you, <laughs> literally, when you first walk in from work, the first thing you don't want to do is have a conversation. You want to, you know, kind of take a shit, take a shit weave your way through your day like just get everything that happened to you for the past eight to 12 hours off of your back so you can be your best self in front yeah. of the people who love you and you love and and you know you don't want to bring that baggage to them and i don't want to bring my fecal matter well, to that situation <laughs> either you, you totally brought the image of you <laughs> weaving a shit web into my mind when you said that yeah well no it's true though and i mean these things are all, it's, it's just all about boundaries no boundaries man if you you're it's all about boundaries knowing your own boundaries what you're comfortable with and expressing when yours are being crossed and how you express that you know and i think these are these are this is big boy stuff we're big boys, you know. Yeah. It's uh, even big boys have problems with boundaries, you know, on both both ways, back and forth. It's a lesson lessons I'm constantly learning every day, you know, as as you all are with kids and stuff. It's like if you keep the boundary too close to you, you go nuts and you get claustrophobic and you're just giving everything and you know, you don't learn. Be cruel to be kind in a sense and set a boundary that feels mean at first because they're crying. But then once they realize that that's the boundary, you have your space and, you know, it's, it makes you a better person to be around. You're not feeling like you're pushed up against the wall or someone's talking to you while you're taking a shit, you know? <laughs> yeah, but do you, oh, I, hey. I feel like my, my boundaries are uh, a lot more loose when it comes to my children, especially my little boy, because he is oh. so young and innocent. So yeah. like that kid can do basically just about anything to me and i'm kind of cool with it it's weird mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah right Sonny busted on me sometimes i'm like dude you gotta go 
you can't just be up in here while I'm trying to do so that's that's the difference there it's your child you know there's a level of grace you give your children that you would never give anybody else uh until a point you know when they're old enough to be responsible for themselves but while you're teaching and and, and showing them the way of the world it's uh, it's a toss-up well and my you know, heart thing too it's like about whatever so, you have. so empathetic to the point of like pain sometimes with the kids yeah. like one of them's really struggling like i can't help but want to fix it and solve it immediately and it's not always the right way you know you can't yeah. just rush rush to aid every five seconds because then you're going to develop a crocodile you know a crocodile princess and uh <laughs> they'll be crying over every little thing right so it's about learning learning how to mediate your own triggers that make you want to rush to someone's help and mm -hmm. go how do i work through this in a way that's actually going to help both of us and not create a codependency or whatever you know um, my youngest definitely is like, he's the sweetest and i really struggle with that one like not giving what he wants all the time <laughs> well it becomes very tenuous though because like i'm i'm constantly flashing back to like you know as much as i love and miss my late father he was a very hard man vietnam veteran like army ranger tough uh, uh i i'm constantly finding myself trying to almost make up for everything he had done with me that may or may not have been not very empathetic or or loving uh and and i i I don't want to end up creating, you know, this porcelain doll of a child. I, I think, sadly, it was somehow simpler for me to delineate that with my oldest child because I was in my 20s and I was making mm. a lot of mistakes. So I kind of let her make her own mistakes back then. Now I'm like a helicopter dad, and it's it's hard to rein that shit in, you know? That's yeah. probably got to be more tough than your situation where you were a dad like early on and then you had all this time and then you had another kid and so then you're just probably like way more overprotective over this second kid yeah 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 i mean I, it's i don't know i speak for for uh for me like my kids are you know four years apart three and a half or yeah four and a half years apart so it's like they're decently close so it's like it's definitely that that uh element of uh baby and my youngest and trying to break from that it's tough though and it's really tough try not Sounds to like we're that. all experiencing a similar similar thing with that right Absolutely. you never know the last time you're gonna hold your kid right so you just there's a fine balance between being dad like hey listen and get over here yeah <laughs> yeah and that brings an interesting element to your music too at, at this point in your lives because now like back then you were creating music together you were ex still like in the throes of youth or or maybe the death throes of youth um, <laughs> <laughs> whereas now you are fostering youth so like there's that dynamic too uh that has to somehow play into the way this is all created as well i would imagine I would say that, like, one of our, our, our jokes about ourselves is that we play, like, dad rock hardcore and dad rock emo. Uh, <laughs> because there's a lot of melody in there, and, you know, it's got that feel. So I think that might be just, uh, that might be present in the music some bit because of just 
how we've grown and we all had children roughly around the same time and uh, well also like for me i mean the record i wanted i wanted to make a not a record for the kids i kind of said <laughs> say that as a joke but like i i wanted it to be something that i would want to listen to at that age and, and and get but also you know there's a lot of stuff about fear on the record and like big big themes but relatable themes and uh you know, my my son is actually on on the cover of the record, slightly obscured, and there's all these bubbles flying up. And so, yeah, there is there is a kind of I don't know. I mean, it's not like a concrete theme in my mind, but there's a lot of pieces there that kind of make up that feeling of youth, I suppose, and pushing through and overcoming fear and um, getting on with it. No, I mean, I'm I'm really proud of it this album you know and uh, i think that's the best feeling of all you know we walked into the studio we had four days to get it done we killed it and mike did an excellent job uh taking what we did before making it uh huge and, and sound great and I, it felt it was a sense of pride just going in there and being the band you know you always were when you were a kid and do performing at that level where you're like yeah you know we had a goal we wanted to do something that was good and man we we rocked that it's something to feel good about so to have it uh on a special you know vinyl a special album that's uh you know we're hinting at it being awesome so you know i think when people see it they're gonna understand um it is exciting it's just something that's mind-blowing so i'm ready i'm ready to be able to share it with the world and we're get ready some feedback you know we you do you do this in part for some feedback so when you start to hear people enjoy it or get into it you know it really starts to to, to move you along yeah i feel fortunate too because i've gotten to i've lived with it for quite a while now i've i've heard I, i've heard it a lot longer than anyone else will have outside of you gentlemen and i i have to say it is it's more in ways more aggressive than anything you've done previous to it but i think it's all, in a way more thematic than anything you've ever done as well it's very it's a cinematic piece of music i'm sorry you probably have to start over again no just mute just mute it if oh, she's right. talking and then you can unmute. all right that was my, my daughter was telling me about one of our cats oh she should have put it on the podcast we, <laughs> yeah. should, uh, we could have riffed on that yeah that would have been fine uh, I totally missed the the setup for that. I'm sorry. What <laughs> he was saying, he since he's had a chance to listen to the record for a while, uh, he was saying that it was a little more aggressive and thematic, perhaps than stuff before. If I yeah paraphrase that, absolutely. Oh yeah, I mean, I I would say that like easily. It easily it's the best thing we've ever done together and i think it's um it's just it's taken it to another level you know it's like i don't know you know how bands will start out and they're a little little crazy there's a lot of ideas they they, they shove everything into it you know we were definitely that way speaking for myself the songs that i used to write it was like well i got these 10 riffs i'm gonna put them all in this one song the stage, you know so. that's that's, yeah. that's how it's gonna go but now it's like a little more refined and we're like thinking about things a little bit more we're trying to 
just kind of hone the craft a little bit and it's it's a little bit more streamlined and i think it's more to the point and i think it's catchier too in a way like it's, it it's aggressive but it's like catchy i think it's just got that kind of more melodic hardcore leaning thing than the more emo leaning thing from before you know yeah i like how there are like hooks in places that you don't expect mm-hmm. yeah and how things can kind of again it's that whole thing i was referring to earlier where i feel like oh man michael brought something completely out of left field on me here and i love it because of the oh it's just not ordinary it's something different and it's hard to hard to actually truly describe because I wouldn't say it's too far off from being like straightforward and and um, catchy, but at the same time, the things that actually like linger in your mind that become earworms aren't necessarily what you'd expect, you know, as a chorus of a song or it's a little line or just part of the melody. And I think that's every every couple of weeks when I've gone back and listened to it just to check on it, see how it is. I'm like, man, we we got this. this well, really I think cool. also that's that's. That's the punk roots too, you know, you guys talked about Green Day and stuff and like, you know, certain lines in just random verses of Green Day songs are so catchy, like, randomly. Where you're like, just the way he went, he walked down there, like, you're like, you're just stuck in your head. Right. You know, yeah. with yeah. me, my, my first love was like Operation Ivy and, and Rancid and I was coming at it more from that angle, but I think... Same, same angle, basically. It's the same <laughs> angle, but like, you know... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, we we have that foundation of punk and melody, but mixed with a little grit. And I think uh, it's nice to have elements of that in the new stuff, where it wasn't so much in in the the stuff before. You know, at least that's how I feel. I feel like there's a little more more punk flavor. Yeah, I think it's a little more. Like I said, it's a little more refined. It's a little more um, maybe a little bit more to the point maybe a little bit more punk in that way because it's like um not these uh, crazy not these crazy uh linear song structures where it's just like part after part after part after part you know where it's uh just heavy for the sake of being heavy and uh or whatever you know it's like we're really trying to think about it a little bit more and trying to to craft like a good song, not just throw all the cool riffs in one song. <laughs> That's a, to me, it, it, elements of it actually remind me quite a bit of Quicksand Slip. Ah, yes. Because Remember. that record, uh, I remember the very day it came out, and I'd already heard the Seven Inch previous to that, um, having been a massive. Uh, Youth of Today and Gorilla Biscuits fan uh, before that. Listening to Slip, at first, I, I, I kind of had to find my way into that record. You know, it, it, there was an immediacy to it, but still, it, it, it left me confounded, and I had to just immediately hit repeat and listen to the entirety of the record over again. And I think there, in the best ways, are elements of that embedded in the DNA and the bones itself of this record, because of what you'd said before like the there are parts that are shouldn't be catchy that are and like almost choruses that they're unexpected choruses they're 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 aspects of it where the uplift just seems like 
predator naturally, uh, you know, sneaking up on you where you wouldn't have, like, if, if you're doing it by the numbers, verse, chorus, verse, that it may not make complete sense, but that's what makes it more fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, and I love that because, I mean, the the whole post-hardcore thing, you need to put a tag on it, but, like, mm-hmm. I mean, getting into that record specifically, uh, Slip, um, it's kind of a funny story. Um, there was a teacher we had in high school. Actually, um, Wendell had, I didn't actually have him for any of my classes, but Wendell did. And he was like, you know, the younger, cool teacher, right? Not too far removed from college at that point. And uh, he was running, uh, I think, the school newspaper, right? Right. Yeah, he was running the school newspaper, and Wendell was on, he was in that class. And uh, he got hit to some of the crazy stuff that we were listening to because we were getting pretty deep into some of the underground, like, hardcore and, like, emo stuff at that point in high school. And he got hit to, I think, from Wendell, some of that stuff. And he was just cool enough to be like, yeah. And he, and I remember this because Wendell, like, told me, you know, he presented it. He was like, he was like, hey, I, I hear what you, you're listening to, you know, check this out. And he gave Wendell a copy of Slip by Quicksand. And it, it like, kind of blew our minds a little bit because we hadn't heard that. It was like one of those bands we'd kind of heard of. They were on thank you lists of different bands, you know, that whole thing. Yeah. We had heard the name, but we hadn't heard the band. And then he he gave him a copy of this record and like we were like, "Oh, word." You know, like this is this is it. Like we we didn't even know about this shit. I and remember, so that that's the first time we put it in. It was on the yeah. way to Yellow Springs for fun times and driving. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I just remember the yeah, oh yeah, it hit that shit hit right away. It was like instant. We were like, this is cool as fuck. And like, so we kind of worked backwards a little bit in that way. We kind of got into it. So that's really cool. I, I mean, that's that's a big compliment. Like, I really, you know. Well, it's that's also that. got that grungy influence too, you know. Like in those yeah. tones. <clears throat> tones, man. So good. Yeah, Love I that. mean, he was, Walter was like deep into like My Bloody Valentine and, mm. and Smiths and stuff. But that that record is so foundational to me that like when I was in my, we were, it was senior year. We were doing the talent show and my friends and I got together. Uh, we were two different bands that kind of like got together as one. And we covered two official off of that record for mm-hmm. the talent show. And no one like this was Pearl jam and Nirvana era. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, class of 93. So, and, and th- it just completely, people were stunned and 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 somewhat disgusted yet yet allured by it oh yeah i bet <laughs> like being in the room while someone else is taking a shit it could be like being in the room while someone else is taking a shit it's like mm, ooh, <laughs> broccoli that's great ketchup? You, you had ketchup for lunch yeah yeah that's what happened real strong ketchup i'm getting there yeah <laughs> ooh. Ketchup, so, though, like, it turns black when it, like, dries, man. Like, you wonder what it does in your guts. 
Uh, well, th that's that's the thing. When you, I mean, it's oxidation, it right? I suppose it's like so in your guts, it wouldn't do that, right? Right? Yeah. What? 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 <laughs> you know, ketchup on the ketchup bottle, it goes all blackened, uh, all crispy around the edge and stuff. You know, like uh, so gross. You're supposed to wipe your bottles, even. Well, <laughs> we used to polish our uh, the my, our drummer's cymbal stands with ketchup. <laughs> What? It, 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 takes the, it takes the rust off of chrome. Oh. oh That's promising. Yeah, 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 put it on a burger. Yeah, let's eat that. <laughs> just well, like, like I used to use Coca-Cola to clean the chalkboards at, at restaurants. I was just going to say that. Yeah. I was just going to say that. You let's could drink it, too. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I love Coca-Cola. Don't hate me. Oh, I, I, I have, as do I, but I, I guarantee you my teeth do not like coca-cola um, nobody's teeth likes coca-cola but <laughs> so i guess to kind of like wrap all of this up in a, in a beautiful bow if, if you were all to have a wish for what someone would take away from this record at the end of the day what would it be the record oh <laughs> buy <man>. one <laughs> yeah yeah buy, buy, the, buy the record <laughs> By the record, my never matter. Uh, let's think. That's a good question. Let's seriously answer it. Um, I just a desire to connect with the band and be a part of something we all share. I mean, that's what I always wanted out of music is to have um, somebody get lost in it and really enjoy it, feel it throughout, and, uh, you know, yeah, be a part of the community that we that we that comes out and hangs out. I mean, generally we're kind of the, the people that like to strut about and meet people and, and enjoy that. Maybe maybe Michael has some uh, issues with that these days, uh, but that's understandable when you get flocked on and you're stuck in a corner. <laughs> but overall, it doesn't matter. We still try to talk to people. We still try to get to know people, including the experience and. Hell yeah. The inclusivity of that bond when people are singing along with you, having a good time with you, uh, it just it feeds into the whole, you know, experience, that church feeling of it. So that's all I really want. Um, well, and you know, I think um, kind of uh, tagging along with that, just the the feeling that we're all fans of this music the, these genres all these bands that we were talking about you know we're we're all big fans of this this life this this hardcore punk emo underground like music and we've we have been i mean we're like lifers you know i mean we're <laughs> we're we're into it we've been doing it we've been going to the shows we've been playing in this band been trying uh, in different bands we've been trying to do it for years in different ways you know and like we we love it and like we just want to be a part of it you know yeah. like that's that's it like i've that's all i've ever been trying to do you know i just want to be i want to be a part of that as a a, a musician not just a fan you know i want to be I want to be playing those shows and, you know, and be a part of that, that scene. So for me, like with the record, because I wanted, I wanted to 
give something that gave people like hope, feeling of empowerment, and a sense of fun. And, um, you know, like I mentioned, you know, the record opens up, you know, the first lyrics are when the fear hits, settle up. Um, and uh, it ends with, you know, but I, I won't let the, the wolf smell my fear anymore or something like that. And it kind of has this arc to it like that, where it's like this kind of overcoming of something. And, you know, I suppose my hope for the record is that when someone does put it on and listens to it, they get that feeling of like, yeah, I can take on, I can take on the world, you know. I mean, Face your fears and overcome, yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's kind of corny, but like it's not because it's, no. uh, it's, we all go through that. You know, and we all have dark days, and um, we need that record we can put on that makes us come out of that and feel like we can do it, you know. And uh, hopefully this record will be that for at least a few people, you know. I used to call it like that, uh, like Nirvana pain, that Nirvana angst from when I was a kid, like that the feeling of pain that you didn't have any like you know descriptors for it. you just couldn't describe it but you knew it Ache. existed yeah and that, and that but when you listen to nirvana sometimes you're like i can relate just to the sound of this yes because of, because of that feeling and now that i'm 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 older and that doesn't really exist in my life anymore it's more of the okay i just need something else that gets me up in the morning and gets me through this next day sometimes it's just like that and it's not as difficult as it used to be but it's so present it's like an ever-present, just a part of being human and, and the everyday struggle of life, trying to find the joy with the with the work, with the, you know, uh, satisfaction of doing nothing or doing everything and, and relishing in your relationships, you know. So it's whatever gets you through that day. And, and I think that's 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 a big part of it, too. You know, you, you get that hope for tomorrow or that uh, reminder of your friends. You get that... Um, understanding that not everything's always perfect but it's cool you know you're gonna you take it as a comp i mean i'm a real kind of lebowski about it you know just abide uh, and, and roll on <laughs> i know it's not as easy for everybody else so i mean hopefully that speaks to them well it's like what well, michael we've talked about before the the word sensukt you know the, yes the, the, there's no word for it in the english language but you know, it, it, it's that longing for something and, and you don't know exactly what it is. I mean, to me, it, what you guys are uh, uh, striving for here is to maybe satisfy that feeling. You know, I, you don't know, like, this is the answer to maybe what we're all longing for, like, just to reach to the divine and, and you know, to be a beacon for that. And I, I think you've accomplished that with this. This is a, a, an incredible piece of music that I think is going to resonate with people, whether they, they realize what scene it belongs to or, or sound it belongs to or not. Uh, it, it transcends that. It's, it's, it's its own beast. Well, that's cool to hear. That's, that's cool. a hell of a compliment, B. Thanks. Because yeah. <laughs> you never know. You never know. You just, you just write what you know. And, yeah. Uh, you know. I, I like to think of it as like, you know, we we still get to do this this uh this sort of art project together, you know? <laughs> I mean I mean it's just like I look at it like that, you know, like uh from being younger 
getting into different types of art and getting into music and it's like i still get to do this thing that's like this sort of long drawn out art project and i get to do it with my best friends it's and it's, weird. it's super fun it's still fun and it still surprises me and it's just it you know there's nothing like it man you know that's that's why we keep doing it it's so it's so rewarding it's there's been so many times where i've been like well why am i still doing this you know i've played in a lot of different bands um and sometimes i'm like those down times when you're just like you know what what am i doing you know why am i still doing this and then but then you get together with your friends and maybe you start like writing a new song and you start playing together and you're like fuck there it is somebody hit that that's right well i think we also it. we have this we have this real problem with like end gaming you know as a, as a species at the moment especially with all the pressure um of looking in your neighbor's yards and shit and seeing what everyone else is doing um and um you know it's always important to remember that it's about the journey and about the the real life experiences that are happening and the art of creation and it doesn't matter what happens with the record you know at the end of the day it's the fact that we've got together and we've done this and that it is going to float out there and whoever latches onto it that's awesome you know um it's a beautiful little snapshot of us yeah that's right yeah us in our life right now it's it's a it's a it's a, a biography you know it's a chapter mm -hmm. in a biography right right yep yeah i suppose that's that that's kind of what i was driving at with with what I was saying about the record too, it to me it feels almost like I'm getting to sort of look in your collective, like uh, you know, photo books, like mm. looking at your 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 pasts together and and the way your lives are still intertwined. Uh, that that's there, there's something about that that almost seems like I'm like prying eyes, but but in in the purest way possible. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, well, we, we, were, you know, we all, you all, we share a collective love and pain, you know. In a lot of ways, this is my most functional relationship I've ever had. It's my <laughs> <husbands>. That's awesome. <laughs> it's my five husbands. Twenty-five years, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, in a band, being in a band when you, especially when we're, when you're really uh, at it all the time, it's like a marriage, you know. But uh, I yeah. thankful that uh, we've been able to be friends through, you know, communicating these, all these years. And, and, you know, I love the fact that things can get tense and, you know, we get through it because we're, obviously it's tense because we're saying what we need to say. Yeah, I can do that. I can do that a fair bit. Right. Well, I mean, not just you, but everybody doesn't sometimes. No, I know. I know. Not everybody, not everybody in the band are Libras that just take it easy. Keep on going, guys. But yeah, because if uh, I mean, if I don't like a, a piece of something, a piece of art or whatever, I'm, I'm like, I'm not working on that. That is not happening. That is not going in any that ever. Sorry. Well, that's yeah. I mean, that's not. I would take a hard now, line sometimes. But just be able to have those honest conversations that you need to have with people that you really care about. Totally. I mean, it is a good. Uh, not everybody, like I said, not everybody is lucky to have those relationships, but it's also a good 
template for you know how you go about your life out there the things you've learned from your bandmates who also happen to be your best friends and people that you work with on something super personal that you want to get right and i love sometimes the best experiences are trying everybody's different idea just to figure out which one works the best and especially when everybody's like well fuck that's the one you know and you get to i'm all about like best idea wins you know like we've been working on the new demos for for another record that we're gonna plan on plan on doing as soon as we can um it's not finished yet. Up, plug. what <laughs> I said, I said, plug, plug. We, yeah, we got, we got. New yeah, we're working there. on new shit. Yeah, but we just have have a, a nice little process set up at the moment of how, how that works. And like, you know, best idea wins. And um, you know, if something comes through and they make a suggestion on something that I've sent through, and I'm like, yes, I'm I'm all about it. You know, I don't have an ego in that respect. I just want the song to be the best thing it can be. And um, in the it's same been, respect, been, I love how you chop up the songs and rearrange them for us and. Bring some insight into something that we we yeah. didn't have yet, so that's fine. I, I gotta say too, on that note, this whole uh, age of uh, COVID and remote everything and Zoom calls and emailing. I mean, obviously, like bands were were uh, were doing that before the pandemic, but um, that almost like helped kick this into gear for us was we were just like oh well you know like we're all not doing shit and um we got these demos and it was like just kind of emailing stuff back and forth like working remote like oddly enough has like really helped the process I think. <laughs> it's, totally. it's weird it is our covid record so we don't have to feel bad about our time like we didn't do anything with it so because you're not in the room together malingering it's more like to business at, at, at all times is, is that kind of what it is yeah yeah i mean well and um there's lots of malingering between well business the, times a great word love it <laughs> malingering well and then i i don't speak to um stuff more recently to mike's credit like you know we sent him all kinds of demos and and he was just like, damn, he was like, yeah, you know, and he's just like figuring it out. And then we'd send him all kinds of crazy, weird stuff and old, you know, lo-fi demos. And he like was into the process and just kind of like listened to what we had and, and kind of, you know, made some stuff that, that fit it and it fit really well, actually. And it's just, it's been great you know it's 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 exciting we got we got some uh we, we got some stuff up our sleeves yeah and it's even more like eclectic you know which is the fun part about it we're kind of pushing pushing that out a little bit even more of our influences i think are bleeding in from times that have gone by which is which is fun but also more importantly it's about the process just being smoother and we kind of are understanding a language of how to do this remotely um in a way that still feels like you're in the room, I think, you know? Yeah. Which was cool. Well, on that note, gentlemen, uh, I would like to, mo like, most importantly, thank you for trusting me uh, with having this record for so long, you know, the di in digital form. Uh, and even more importantly, like, 
you know, Michael, you and I have been buddies for a while now. Wendell, you and I have been buddies. Like, we've all kind of known each other for a while. And it's, I, I don't feel like I'm intruding on anything. And I, I, it's, that's very comfortable for me as someone who's doing a podcast, but also just as a person. Uh, you, you guys, you're some of the coolest people I've ever met in my life, hands down. And oh. I always look forward to talking to you guys. And you're very kind, man. I, I I can't wait to hear the next record. Oh man, yeah, thank you, man. Like I, it's I, it's awesome. It's just it's so nice to hear like feedback like that, and um, you know, like let let's fucking hang out, man. Let's <laughs> 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 as, as it happens, I'm I'm coming out to the show. Uh, yes, at the end of November. Oh, yes, yeah. gonna be great. Yeah, Hell yeah! I'll come down. I'll uh, I'll invade uh, Tim Andrell's apartment and and stay with him and come to the show and we can get a little get a little crazy together. Yeah, <laughs> so, Hell yeah. crazy. Yeah. We're gonna get crazy. We're gonna get dad crazy, everybody. We're getting dad crazy. Right. Dad crazy, yes. <laughs> hey, hey, yeah! Thanksgiving weekend, baby. Yeah, yeah. Which that that's gonna be fun trying to get away uh during that time of the year but perfect timing that's why we made this well show. that's why that's, that's why we did it you know it's the weekend you know it's after so it's like you've got a couple of days to to figure out your family shiz and then you know <laughs> i think it really just worked out for our schedules but at the same time we were like maybe everybody will be home and just want something to do so yeah 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 either way we'll have a good time so. absolutely all right fellas Thank you for letting me chew up two hours of your lives. And uh, I know I'll talk to you all soon, but take care until then. Thanks, man. Me too. Yes. See you, brother. See you, my friend. See you both of you soon, too. Well, there it is, my friends. My two hours of exploration, bonding, and uh, friendship affirmation with my brothers in Shadyside. I hope you're going out there tonight and pre-ordering the vinyl version of this from Mind Over Matter Records. I hope you're pre-saving it on Apple Music and Spotify. I hope you're ready for this wonderful, wonderful record. From 3.33 a.m. studios, they've been Chip, Wendell, Michael of Shadyside. I've been Peter. You've been beautiful. And this has been the book of Very, Very Bad Things Podcast. Take care of yourselves, folks, and I will see you next time. Good night, y'all.